And when the princess looked into the eyes of her handsome prince, she knew she had found her one true love. He kissed her ruby red lips and they rode on horseback off to his castle to live happily ever after. The end. Now, that's how it's supposed to work out, right? I mean, Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, they meet the man, they're blissfully happy forever. But is that how love really works? On a planet of some seven plus billion people, what happens if you don't find your one true love? Or you find them and they leave? Or you find more than one of them? Today on Loose Lips Naked Truths, we're going to be talking about love. What is it? How do you know when you've found it? And does it last forever? So Ange, let's jump straight in and tell me, baby cakes, do you believe in love? Oh my, so I am trying so hard for the uh, cynic in me not to transpire <laughs> too heavily onto this call, but I, I don't know what I believe in anymore, Shalom, I really don't. I think that love, the definition of love itself, has evolved so dramatically for me over the course of, let's say, the last 15 years um, that, you know, it starts with what is love and then do I you know, can I define it? Do I believe in it? I'm not sure. I think at the end of the day, I believe in love per se, because I love my children, I love my dog, and I've experienced raw, passionate, amazing love. But I don't believe in long lasting fairy tale, beat the odds kind of love. That's interesting, because I used to believe in that. I think growing up on a diet, of Disney princesses, you do think that there's just one person, only one person that you're going to find in the world and that they will make you happy. It's this weird thought that you can't be happy without them, but that you need them to complete you. And I mm. truly, truly believed that growing up. And when I was 21, I married my first ever boyfriend, my first ever anything, you know, the first person I'd kissed, the first person I'd had sex with. And I was deeply and madly in love with him. And I truly thought, this is it. He's the one. I found him like score. And we got married. And I honestly just thought that was it. Like I thought you found the person you got married and then mm. you were happy forever. I didn't realize that love ebbs and flows, you know, love changes over time, love evolves. And some, you know, 20 years later, I'm not still married to that man. I, and I will always have a love for him. But it just really was a massive wake up for, call for me after maybe 10 years that we were together to sort of go, gosh, I don't feel the way I used to feel. I still feel a love, but I'm not in love in the way that I once was, you know, it, it hadn't lasted forever. Mm, and I was raised Catholic, right? So this same exact idea I, for, I was raised on Disney princess, but also being put in little white dresses at my communion and at my catechism. And it was like the thing, every single little Italian girl strived for was the big white dress, the big glamorous, you know, wedding and, and meeting that person and being with them forever. And I've got to tell you, it was a massive wake up call for me when I married and I very much in the um, early honeymoon novelty stages of it, believed wholeheartedly I was in love. I believed wholeheartedly that my kind of love would defeat, you know, the statistics and the odds. 
And that reality check came when, you know, day to day, the chores, the tasks, the finances, the realities of mundaneness and the lack of passion and everything else that eats alive at a relationship in, you know, 2018. Uh, And it's hard because I want to say that I believe in love and I believe in the premise of it, but can, you know, can I really blame myself for thinking what I do? Can you blame yourself for looking at love the way you do? No, not at all. I think it's, as you say, it's all part of the themes and stories that you're told as you grow up, whether they're religious or whether it's seeing your parents married for a long period of time or it's what, what you see on the TV and the, the Hollywood movies. Like it was quite a it was quite a moment for me to realise that I was no longer in love in the way that I had been and that I no longer wanted to be in that relationship. Like it, it felt like a failure. I felt like I had failed, not just at marriage, but at love. Like I had same let love down. Same. That is so fucking strange. Exactly how I felt. I remember even thinking about this towards the end of my marriage uh, because we're, we're recently separated on, you know, on the highway to hell to divorce. And I remember thinking about this saying, it's not even so much that I let my marriage down. It was like, wow, this big, beautiful idea I had of love. I'm letting that down. And you know, truth be told, in my darkest, deepest moments throughout this marital um, dissolution has been me weeping, telling my ex-partner, you ruined love for me. That I literally will say that over and over again and say, you know, I was such a hopeless romantic. I have a tattoo on my hand that says love conquers all. I am sappy and cheesy and all of those things. And I feel like I have completely lost that part of myself. And it's turned into this, the Grinch of Amour, really. Do you think then that you need to work at love? Like, should love just be effortless? So when you fall in love, should it just flow forever? Or do you think there's an element, because I I do, having now been through that first experience where for 10 years, I just believed that you fell in love and that was it. And perhaps I, you know, I didn't do the work. I didn't put in the effort. I thought it was just a done deal that now I am in another relationship. And it's interesting. I talk to my man about this and I say, I think you do need to nourish love. You need to nurture it. We need to invest in us. We need to choose us. You know, there are little things every day that are about he and I showing up for love as if it was something bigger than us, you know, showing up for us as a, as a couple, not just as two individuals. And, and he's not as sure that you need to work at it. He doesn't like the word work for a start in any aspect of his life. So, (laughs) so he's kind of like, I'm not, I'm not digging the whole work at it thing, but but so when I use words which are more like nourishing or investing or, you know, want to be part of, then he can certainly get more on board. But that's where I've come to now. I see it as something that I choose to have in my life and I and I want it to be amazing. And so I put the, uh, I don't even know if it's effort, but I put some focus on it. I put some attention to it. I, I think or I feel my way through it. You know, I, I don't just let it sit there and assume now that it's just all going to be okay. This is the thing. I, knowing you and me personally, your relationship goals, because you give me some slither of hope that a mature uh, relationship where 
there's no la- like I'm not naive to the fact that love needs work and some people might be offended by the word work some people might have effortless love but I really honestly think that there is no such thing as a relationship that does not require a constant choosing to be with that person to be present to be engaged because it's the only way to make it work sustainably over the long term it is hard not to you know have the the passion pummeled out of your relationship and the trust pummeled out of your relationship and we have so many choices these days we have so many options it's easy to say like this is too hard fuck this i'm out of here on to the next thing we're always looking at the grass being green on the other side um you know we have kids we get pregnant we breastfeed for a million years there is so many reasons for relationships not to work now and so my point of this is that i would be totally naive to think that it doesn't require work i do believe though that at the core of it, two people still need to love each other in a pretty big and bold way because that kind of love is the only way they're going to show up every day for themselves and for each other. So I think you need maybe a mix of two, that raw love, but also that ability to maturely show up for your relationship every single day. Mm. And so do you believe in a soulmate? Do you believe in one? Uh, No, not one soulmate. I believe that, and I'm pretty sure we've spoken about this so much, um, is that I believe in many soulmates. I believe that there are people you meet daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, who come into your life for a very specific reason. And whether that is five minutes or five years or 15 years, I, I think that you're linked to many souls on this planet. I think that there are a plethora of people and... Just the energy I find, and this is why I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit. I I don't think I'm monogamous and I don't think I could be monogamous because I fall in love with someone every day. No shit. My barista, I could be walking down the street, our eyes meet, there's electricity, someone in the train. I feel like there is the potential for some serious powerful exchanges between people. And uh, I don't believe that I'm a swan or a flamingo or whatever that bird is that has one partner for the rest of its life. I think that you have multiple soulmates because it's like believing that you could read one book and learn everything you need to learn from that one book. No, you need to read lots of books and all of those books make you the person you are. And that's how I see soulmates and relationships. It's so interesting what you say about falling in love every day. I have that too. Now, now that I've become, I guess, more open to love and aware of connections with other people, I I really notice as well that there's a, I see opportunity and potential everywhere. And and that's not to say that I act on it or that I, you know, want to be with everyone that I feel that connection with or want to form a life with them. But there are definitely those moments when you do, as you say, lock eyes with someone or, or have a conversation with someone and you go, wow, like I feel like I have, there's a familiarity, there's a, mm-hmm. a sense of knowing and I, I personally believe in past lives and and future lives. And so I sort of always come back to the fact that I I have been with you before. I have connected with you Mm -hmm. before. And there's that recognition, which is so beautiful and and really works for me as as an explanation. And what you said just a moment ago about multiple soulmates reminds me of a poem that I read on the weekend by the incredible creative Naira Wahid, and I'm going to read it to you now because I just I love it. It just totally hit me right in the heart. And it goes, when you meet that person 
a person, one of your soulmates, let the connection, relationship be what it is. It may be five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years, a lifetime, five lifetimes. Let it manifest itself the way it is meant to. It has an organic destiny. This way, if it stays or if it leaves, you will be softer. From having been loved this authentically, souls come into, return, open and sweep through your life for a myriad of reasons. Let them be who and what they are meant. And when I read that, I was just like, that's, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like that just reminded me that there are, that I can, I I can and will fall in love more than once, that I may love two people at the same time, that, that each of those loves may not last forever. It doesn't have to have that sense of once I found it, I must hold onto it tightly at all costs because there's only one, right? It has a, a real fluidity and flow to it. And I really appreciated that because I do fall in love regularly, you know, it's, and or I, or I fall in, I fall in love, I, I fall into the potential of love. I see the potential for love everywhere. If I think about how many times I've deeply fallen in love, I would say that's about five. And each one of those has been so distinctly different, almost like, you know, when you have sex with a different partner and it, it's different, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. different to what you've had before that they, they don't feel like that. And they do this bit differently. That's what the love was like for me with each of those people. Like it was quite uniquely different. They were very, yeah, very clear distinctions. And, and, and that's what I find is that each time I love it's, it's unique. It's its own entity. It's it's not like anything I've ever experienced before. See, this is really something that I've only leaned into, this concept of multiple soulmates and multiple um, variations of love and multiple lovers is something I've really only started to lean into within the last three years. Um, and it only happened after I started feeling very unfulfilled in my relationship. And then the idea of polyamory came up and... Um, all this kind of really heated conversation that brought me face to face with the very confronting notion that, you know, I wasn't that Catholic girl who believed in one partner for the rest of my life. And um, that was hard. That was really, really hard. I've always been non-monogamous, always. Uh, I've only been in love twice. I never really felt that I could commit to love because a part of me felt like that just wasn't for me. And meeting my my old partner and believing that for a hot second and then it coming, you know, really crashing down on me and realizing that actually one partner was not the thing that I wanted out of life. That is not what I believed. The last few weeks, I had this really interesting encounter where I was wall. I had a, a particularly low day and feeling quite lonely. And, you know, what you do when you're assessing everything your marriage has fallen apart and all that kind of stuff. And I was walking in the mall and I felt somebody's eyes on me from across the mall. It was Christmas. It was packed. There must have been a thousand people just on this floor of the mall. And I could feel that person's eyes on me. And, you know, it could have been an, an old fart. I have no idea, but I could feel someone looking at me. But it was almost like this 
electricity buzzing in the form of a wire between me and this, you know, unidentified individual. And I looked up and through a crowd of a thousand people was a guy who was probably six foot seven, the tallest man out of this group of people. And he was staring at me and smiling, smiling with a knowingness. I could not even describe it to you. It wasn't sexual. It wasn't anything. It was like he knew something. And I looked in his eyes. And in that second, I swear to God, Shalom, I fell in love with him. I didn't know him. I knew nothing about him. But I feel like I either was with him in a past life or we had this connection from this this other place or this other world. And I know that sounds quite airy-fairy to some people. And we just smiled at each other, walked closer and closer and closer to each other, maintaining the most intense connection ever. And then he walked past me and I walked past him. And in that second, this glimmer of hope (laughs) burst inside of me like, hold on a second. The romantic in me is not dead. My idea and belief in love isn't dead. It's just that I have to be open to it coming from other people and multiple experiences and multiple partners. And that was really, really eye-opening for me. Wow, that's some Christmas gift. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even tell you. I don't even remember what he looks like. It was really that. It was strictly energetic, but it really made me feel like, hold on, love doesn't look the same to everybody and love doesn't have to come in a hallmark card and a fancy wedding and you know one partner for life it really was interesting for me to feel that I had a conversation last year with my favorite spiritual mentor I'm totally on the woo spectrum and I love tapping into this woman and we chat about everything that's going on in my life whether it's my relationship or my work or my kids and I was asking her about this you know I was going through a speed bump in my relationship and I was like what's this about? I wasn't expecting this. We don't have speed bumps. Where did this come from? And she was talking about actually less about the speed bump and my relationship, but more about me. And she was explaining how I'm coming into a different phase in my life. You know, I'm I'm coming out of the early mothering phase and I'm coming back to me. And everything she was saying, I was like, oh, oh, I like this. This is getting juicy. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. And she was explaining that over the next few years, she said, you know, you're really going to start coming back into yourself and really start radiating this incredible energy that is just totally richly you. And as a result of that, you're going to start attracting people into your life. They're going to be attracted to this, this light, if you like, this glow about you. And I'm there going, tell me more, tell me more, keep going, don't stop. (laughs) And she started saying that you, you're going to have these, you know, five or six people who are going to come through your life exactly as you just described. They're going to be people that you've known before, people that you feel that immediate connection with, people that you have loved unconditionally before. She said, and I want you to be aware of it because they will pop up and you'll be like, hello, what are you doing here? And she said, but you need to understand (laughs) that you don't need to act on that. So every time you feel that potential for love coming into your life, you don't have to go, whoa, I wasn't expecting this to ever happen again. She was easing me into that concept of, that you can love lots of people, that you don't have to follow every path to potential love, you know, that I don't have to break up my marriage and my family every time someone like that experience you just had comes across my path, but rather to to see it and acknowledge it and enjoy it, just like you did in that moment. Like that was a moment, right? Like that was something that nobody else saw and nobody else experienced. It was just this hot connection between the two of you. It's almost like a a pulsing, throbbing, you know, just 
almost visible connection between the two of you. And as you said before, it's not even necessarily sexual. It's just this knowing, this mm-hmm. like intensity. And and so I'm I'm feeling much more because at first I was really a bit like, whoa, hang on, but I'm I really love my man and I'm really happy with our life. And she's like, yeah, you don't have to upend everything for love. You don't have to follow every path. You can just be really appreciative of these people coming into your life and just be like, hey you you're familiar. I remember that. And then keep going. You know, you don't have to act on it. I've had my heart broken. I'm sure you've had your heart broken. Uh, you know, whether that is, that is a marriage breakdown or a really crappy ex-boyfriend scenario, ex-girlfriend scenario. How in the days, weeks, months following did you get inspired or inspire yourself to believe in love again? Great question. Because when you go through that breakup, like you're on your knees, right? You know, it's like everything you thought you knew and everything you thought was true is taken away, either because you've chosen to move on or because that person, that love has left. It can be really destabilizing and really... I know there's been times when I was really shaken, like it was like, well, what does that mean? What if I can't, if I can't trust love, can I trust myself? You know, did I fall in love with the wrong person? That was something I had to answer for a long time. Why did I fall in love with them if they weren't going to stay? Or why did I fall in love with them if that relationship was going to be so hard? What, how can I trust my radar to make sure that I only fall in love with the right person? And it was in the time after those experiences where you go quiet and you go inward uh, that I learned the lessons I needed to learn without sounding too wanky. I guess what I wanted to say was that I had to go, I had to go quiet. I had to clear my diary. I had to sit at home. I had to weep. I had to walk. I had to sit in the sunshine. And it was in those moments that I came to realize that even though that love didn't last forever, even though my heart had been broken or I had broken someone's heart, I still believed in love because those experiences were still worthy. The things that I had learned about myself and about life through those relationships were still so important to me. They made me who I am. And it's those building blocks of experience and moments and learnings that that I personally thrive on. So I would never shy away from love, even though it hurts, even though there's the risk. You know, I deeply love my man. Will we be together forever? I have no idea. I mean, I I hope so. And I feel like, yes, but who knows what's around the corner? And I'm not seeking to preempt anything there either. Thank you, universe. But it's just that (laughs) acknowledgement, right, that you're talking about two individual people and we're always going to be so very different, even with a great love between us. So I think I just came to the realization that I was in it no matter what, like I was all in and I was willing to have my heart broken again because of the richness in those experiences, because of how amazing it was. But I'm not going to lie, like when it first happened, I remember um, <laughs> not a few years ago when I had a fairly significant breakup, I was seeing a psychologist at the time and had been seeing her on and off for a couple of years. She was like this fantastic therapist and she knew everything. Nobody else knew everything in my whole world, but she knew everything. And I was explaining to her how after this breakup, I'd 
been meeting new guys. I've been getting out and about. I've been having a great time. And she actually banned me from men for at least a month because I was distracting myself, right? <laughs> like I didn't want to go through the pain. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the heartbreak. I didn't want to sit in the hole. I remember her saying, she's like, get in the hole. I'm like, but I, I don't want to go in the hole. Can I sit on the edge of the hole and just like put my feet in? And she's like, get in, <laughs> get in the fucking hole. And, and so I had to take out the distraction and take out the lovely boys and just really sit with myself and and acknowledge and process I guess what had happened which isn't to say I had to relive it and do the whole what ifs but just it had happened you know and there was no denying that and I just had to sit with that and feel my way through that before I was allowed to start dating again (laughs) this is so so uncanny I basically am a young shalom incarnate because this is exactly what I was doing. I am a very clever uh, emotional avoider. And um, I distracted myself after our initial separation with lots of good looking dudes and, you know, having fun and going out on dates and exactly what I was doing was avoiding processing the emotion, avoiding the grief, avoiding the feelings and the uh, growth that subsequently followed and it's only now four months later at the you know getting to the crux of this where I'm like you know what I have to lead into these feelings this is the only way I'm going to be able to move past it and believe in love again and be able to have healthy relationships moving forward certainly challenging my uh, my very clever emotional avoiding ways but it's good to know that you came out of it and that your psychologist gave you the smackdown because I'm gonna have to do the same can I ask again, how did your, how did having children change the way you looked at love? Because I know for me that really, really dramatically changed the landscape of love for me it was when I had children. And that's only when I truly understood what unconditional love looked like and felt like. So what did that do for you? I completely understand what you're saying about unconditional love. I had experienced that after my first marriage broke up and I had had a child in that time and I had unconditional love for her, I then met a man who I have unconditional love with. And that was a, that was a real game changer for me because love had always been conditional. It's like, I love you when you're like this or you look like that or you act like this. There was not even necessarily because it was said so explicitly, but there was a, and a sense of, yeah, there was a sense of obligation that came with our relationship works when, and look, and it probably came from me too. So I'm not suggesting that it was one-sided. I, I'm sure I had conditions and expectations of my partners that came, were attached to the love. They were like the strings. And when I met someone who loves unconditionally, it was it was a game changer because he was very much just about you need to do what you need to do with your life. For example, you know, you need to do what lights you up. You need to do what thrills you. You need to create a life that is the right one for you. And I need to do the same for me, but let's see if we can do that together. And I was like, Whoa, that's completely different. Like that's, that just gave me all of this freedom to just be, and, and to be able to express what I wanted and what I desired and the life I wanted to create and be able to say it without tempering the words, so without playing down the bits that I thought might 
aggravate or upset or without changing or leaving bits out so as not to cause conflict, which is what I had done, I realized, in previous relationships. You know, I had squashed the bits I didn't think they'd like and I'd raised the bits I thought they would like. And and so it was a, a an incredible moment in my life when I was gifted with that unconditional love. And, and you know, we went on to have children and now I have unconditional love for my children but it was it's different it's that the love I have with my man that's unconditional is different to that that I have for my children it's like a it's like an amped up version because my children my love for my children is unconditional but I have so much responsibility for them yes you know I have this there's this there's this presence that I need to have and this role that I have with them yet with my man and the unconditional love I have with him there's a freedom Yes, exactly. And I look, I very much look forward to graduating to that kind of relationship and that kind of unconditional love with, with the freedom. And clearly, it's going to be a different kind of love. One is romantic, one is non romantic. But I certainly feel that having children taught me that I'm worthy of being loved uh, when, you know, on the good days and the bad days, because that is exactly how I love my children through the thick and the thin of it. Um, And I guess, to a certain extent, they give me the freedom to be exactly who it is I am and remind me that I am worth loving. But I very much look forward to graduating to, again, a relationship where it marries everything and all parts of that. Yeah. And look, I'm no love guru, right? So let me be clear. This is, as I said at the outset, this is something that I believe we need to (laughs) nourish and nurture. You know, it's something I choose to have in my life and it's this incredible, rich, you know, symbiotic relationship that totally lights me up. But, but I, but as I said, we still have road bumps, you know, there's stuff, we're still two humans and we're still individuals and we've still got our own stuff. So it's not that there is, it's the, we are not in the castle living in the ball gowns blissfully <laughs> ha- happily ever after but it's fucking fantastic so you know I mean, it's- yeah yeah it's not all perfect but there's lots of butt sex and lots of kissing and lots of i love you through the through it all so i mean it's I would say it's a lot better than the ball, go- ball gowns in the castle. By yeah, the way. I don't. I don't think Cinderella's getting such great sex. Actually, <laughs> you look at that prince. I don't think he had it going on. No, <laughs> exactly. It's uh, you know, being I'm going to turn 32 in February, and uh, like I said before, the way I see love, the way I define love, the way I feel love has changed from the, you know, being a little girl to a a throbbing teenager, um, being in young love, and then now being a mother and, you know, striving to be a powerhouse woman. I'm, I'm just so excited to be 40 and 50 and 60 and see what love becomes for me then, because I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be significantly more powerful, significantly more amplified, and just a lot more mature. There's something really sexy and wow I can't wait to feel that I would completely agree I'm so excited about what comes from now and and if for those of you that are listening if you're wondering about how like what you know what to do with your love or where you're feeling about love I would just be saying that I don't know that love conquers everything but I would be completely open for love don't don't assume there's just one don't assume that it lasts forever don't assume that you won't ever recover because you will and there'll always be more experiences more opportunity you know I truly believe that what's meant for you doesn't pass you by it's just about timing and and when your love comes it's for you like it's fully showing up for you so be up for that you know like be open to 
the potential for love and what love can bring. All right. So lay it on me. Have you ever pretended you are in love to get something or someone you want? Oh, gosh. Have I ever pretended I was in love? Uh, I think the only time that happened was towards the end of my marriage when I, I didn't, so I didn't know when I was married that I could say I wasn't happy or that it wasn't working. I thought I had to stay forever. Like I truly didn't, didn't know it was an option for me to leave until it got to the point where I was so hollowed out by not being myself, by not being truthful about how I was feeling that I was broken. You know, I was a a shell and, um, but I had kept up the facade of being okay. You know, it was a, it was a really tough time. And so I think the only time that I've probably pretended to be in love is, is when the love that I felt in my marriage had eroded and devolved into more of a companionship. Uh, and I wasn't feeling that that love that I had once felt for him anymore, and yet I had it. It took me a long time to have the strength and the courage to voice that and to stand by it. Have you ever felt a love so raw and so fiery it scared you? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> there are so. I have. I remember in my twenties and thirties when I, that description you had about the guy across the shopping center, I used to call that a flutter. I remember talking to people and saying, do you ever meet someone and just get like a flutter? It's like a physical reaction. There might be a colleague, there might be a friend, there might be some dude you see at the basketball, but it's just like a, whoa, it's like a Uh, palpable, almost out of body experience. And yeah, it's kind of, sorry to interrupt you. I do. I actually call it a womb tingle. And when I'm feeling extra vulgar, a coochie tingle. And I can actually describe it as it's as if you're on a roller coaster of love. Like you're just, whew, you get that feeling inside your body, almost like a queasiness and an orgasm at the same time. That's that's your flutter. That's <laughs> my flutter, yeah. Yeah, so mine's more like PG rated. but um, yeah. <laughs> And so there's certainly times when, as I said, like that's happened to me a number of times and I haven't always acted on it, but it always takes my breath away. It's like, whoa. And, and when I have acted on it, it's always, always been sensational, like the best, like the most, you know, eye-watering, heart-throbbing, spine-tingling kind of connection, both physical and spiritual, if you like. It's all it, like I've learned to trust the flutter. I don't always act on mm-hmm. it because, you know, I'm not in my 20s and partying, but but I've learned to trust that it's it's legit, like it's real. I could, I get that tattooed on me. Trust the flutter. It is. And it is. It's when have you ever had a flutter and act upon it? And it's surmount, it's like amounted to nothing. That's never happened to me. Usually if my instinct or intuition gives me that intense of a physical feeling, it's because there's a clear energetic connection, physical connection, spiritual connection with that individual. Definitely. And you can absolutely get trust the flutter tattooed on you, but I think you should get trust the coochie tingle. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that reads a lot better and would make for so much better conversation starter at a cocktail party. (laughs) So, and what does trust the coochie tingle mean? Well, sit down, friend. I've got a story for you. (laughs) Have you ever denied yourself 
love because it you felt that that kind of love might force a person away. For example, being so madly in love with somebody and then being anti-commitment or an absolute twat and you feeling like you cannot show them the unadulterated love you have for fear of repulsing them. No, I haven't had that experience, but I have had an experience where I had the flutter and the tingle and the whole thing going on and I got into a relationship with someone who, in hindsight, it, it wasn't our time. It just wasn't aligned and we kept trying and we kept pushing and maybe it was never going to be our time in this lifetime, but I, I just, because it was there and I could touch it and I could feel the the emotions and I wanted it so badly, I, I just kept trying and it, it, there was just these red flags going off for both of us all of the time that it took us months to come to the point where we eventually made the call like, okay, that's like, you know, months and months. So it it's probably more so that sometimes I have trusted the flutter, but not listened to my intuition about, or, or respected the fact that, that love can have an end date, that love can just be, as we said earlier, for five minutes or five days. It doesn't have to be for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think because I was younger and it came into my life, I was like, no, it's here and I have to hold it and it's amazing. And I've got to, if I, <laughs> if I hold it really, really tight and don't let it go and squeeze the bejesus out of it, then it'll be okay. And of course <laughs> it wasn't. So I think there's also a respect for timing and and that yes. comes back to that recognition that it can be fleeting and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Ange, we've touched on lots of juicy topics today. We've we've obviously focused on love and the prince charming or princess charming element to this, but there are lots of other little things that have come up in terms of coochie tingles and monogamous relationships and polyamory and so many other things that I am so excited that we'll be diving into in future episodes of Loose Lips and Naked Truths. If all of y'all have a secret that you are bursting to share with the world, if you have had an experience that is worth divulging or if you just need to get something off of your chest, if it is all and all about love, hearts, hearts being broken, hearts breaking, or coochie tingles, do let us know. You can submit your own secret submissions by visiting looselipsandnakedtruths.com. Don't worry, your secrets are safe with us. Get those lips nice and loose and do share because I have a feeling there are a horde of women who will benefit from that story. I think that's so true. Such an important point to make that what you share, there will be a thousand women, a million women all just nodding their head and going, oh, yeah, girl, I'm right there with you. Been there, done that. (laughs) You are not alone in this, that's for sure. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been a very fun time, a little confronting, but uh, simultaneously exciting. Shalom. Got to tell you. I'm loving it. I'm all lit up.